This is season seven of Sessions, an impossible comeback story. This podcast is brought to you by Hustler Casino and PokerAds.us. This year, we play the game smarter, with more patience, and we keep a close eye on those who have stood in our way, those who have infringed upon our journey. Doesn't matter how long it takes, we're going to make it across that chessboard. And when we do, we're coming for you, Nits. Every last one of you. Bonus episode, Freaking Out with Trevor Savage. Trevor Savage is a 40-year-old man, lives in New Jersey. I met him, I believe, at the beginning of 2020. It might have been the end of 2019. He was listening to my podcast, and he signed up at patreon.com slash player to show his support, and then he became a pillar of the community that was born uh, during the pandemic called DGA of Community, him and his wife, Jody, and uh, he became a friend, and we've spent a good amount of time together. Uh, he brings his family out to the West Coast. Occasionally gets an Airbnb in San Diego, or we've met up in Vegas as well. And he is a genuine dude, a friend. Uh, He is perhaps the most prolific American poker player in history. That sounds like hyperbole, but you'll hear in this conversation which the audio isn't the best but I believe the the content is is good enough to put out um he went 18 years not only without ever having a losing month but uh, without ever having a month where he didn't win at least 5k 18 years straight that's a lot of months in a row I don't know if anyone else can say that um that's just an aside the point of this is he's a human being who has a mental cycle like all of us. He does not have a severe mental illness, but he deals with anxiety and panic. And um, we're going to talk about that a little bit. He reached out to me a few weeks ago, maybe it was a couple months ago, and just wanted to talk and just needed a little bro therapy. And I was happy to do that for him. We'll mention that in this conversation. And what made him reach out to me more recently, just I believe yesterday, was he was listening to my podcast sessions, the private drops that the Patrons get. And he was thinking, wow, this guy, DGAF, went to the emergency room thinking he was having a heart attack, but most likely it was panic, it was anxiety. And he did something very similar uh, just a week or two ago. And he wanted to talk about it and try and offer some advice to the world. Um, Anyone that that deals with similar mental issues. And it's, we all deal with something. And uh, I said, I'd be happy to, uh, you know, do a a Zoom call. Um, and, And, you know. Let's let's hear what he has to say. I'm with Trevor Savage. Trevor, it's 
been a while. What's going on with you, man? Yeah, it has been a while. Um, we for, First of all, we're just the biggest boomers of all time trying to get this set up, obviously. So now, now I'm just going to be very concise with my words, which is very difficult for me because I'm a very talkative person who likes to just talk for hours. So I'll be very concise with what I'm saying. Yeah, we struggled for about 30 minutes. It was actually a nice little comic relief for me. Um, but yeah, let's get let's get to it. You reached out to me yesterday and said, can we do a pod? I, I also was in the emergency room in the last few weeks. What's that about? Yeah, so um, I figured it was a good time to do a pod based on hearing you go to the emergency room. Also, me going to the emergency room a couple weeks ago. Um, and so I, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about anxiety and panic and kind of what I've been through uh, over the course of my 40 years on earth here with anxiety and panic. Um, so I, that's kind of where I wanted to start the conversation, kind of just give you guys a little backstory of, of my history and kind of the things that I do to manage it, um, the kind of the journey that I've had through it, and, um, and maybe hopefully provide some helpful tips for those out there who might be struggling with the same thing and not even realize they're struggling with it. Right. Uh, why did yeah, you go? Let's start with why you went to the emergency room. Uh, okay, so I I think that's that's a good point to start. Except for we, I think we need to go back a little bit in history to, sure. to because there's been previous uh, situations that have kind of led up to that. Um, so the first time I ever had a panic attack uh, or felt like intense anxiety, uh, I was actually six years old, and. I have a very, very vivid memory as if, if anybody's heard me talk before, or heard me uh, talk about poker and, and the memory that I have of poker hands. Uh, my memory is very, very strong and I have the type of memory that feels things from the past. So if I close my eyes, I can put myself back at being six years old. It was Christmas Eve and I found out that you could die. And that was a huge trigger to me at the time. Um, and I just immediately started to panic and feel super anxious. And my mom was able to calm me down um, at the time, obviously, I didn't know it was a panic attack or anxiety or anything like that. Um, but that was my first kind of taste of of that type of feeling. Um, and then fast forward, uh, I kind of as a as a young person in my like 11, 12 up until 23, I used uh, marijuana and other drugs to kind of make me feel normal um, through that those feelings uh, th through feeling anxious through like social anxiety, through all that, like it just made me feel normal. And that's kind of what I used every single day as a, a coping mechanism for myself. Um, and then I had my next real bout with panic uh, when I took too much mushrooms in college. Uh, I had been drinking and smoked a lot of pot and then took way too many mushrooms and kind of had a full-blown bad trip that was basically a panic attack. Um, and I would have flashbacks of that event for the next couple of years um, that would trigger me heavily. Um, again, I, I didn't realize that it was a panic attack or I didn't know that it was anxiety. I didn't have any label for this type of thing. What's interesting, you said flashbacks. People, I remember people always saying with acid, with LSD, you can have flashbacks, but with mushrooms, you can't. Are you saying you just have flashbacks to that bad feeling or you actually have flashbacks because of the hallucinogen? No, flashbacks to the bad feeling. And, and the feeling was that when I had the bad trip, I thought I was dead. I thought I was dying. I basically, the only way that I got out of the bad trip was to close my eyes and just like say, it's okay that I'm gonna die right now. Um, like I saw white and then I saw like a clock ticking and I said, I'm sorry, mom. Um, and I just had to like surrender to death basically. And you'll see a pattern here that 
that the fear of death was always a, a mega uh, trigger for my anxiety. Uh, it started, you know, when I was six, and then it, that was how I felt from there. And then when I would get the flashbacks and the, the panic attacks, it would be, I would flash back to that moment of feeling that fear of death and feeling that feeling that I felt, and I would start to panic. I would get um, disassociation, so I would feel like everything was fake around me, like it wasn't real, um, and then I would start to panic. Um, but none of this really hit me that it was something that was labeled as panic or anxiety or any of these things until I was 30. Um, and when I was 30, which is almost exactly 10 years ago, it was on December 29th, 2013, uh, I'd been feeling all these feelings in my body. My chest was constantly heavy. I'd have this feeling in my throat that was, the only way to describe it is it would, like I was losing my breath constantly and it would trigger me and I'd start to get worried and nervous and I'd think about death and I would think I'm gonna be dying soon. Um, and then this night, December 29th, 2013, we went out to dinner, Jody and I did. Um, and at dinner, I went to the bathroom and I came back, I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, oh my God, I'm having a heart attack right now, I'm gonna die. And I told Jody and we went to the hospital. I had no idea, I, th I thought for sure I was just dying. And um, they gave me Ativan, they did a bunch of EKGs and you know, all that other stuff. And 45 minutes later, I felt normal again uh, after the Ativan had kicked in and they said, you, you just had a really bad panic attack. And so then it hit me like, oh my God, this is what I've been experiencing, not to this level, but what I've been experiencing, you know, all these different times in my, throughout my life. And so after that event, um, you know, I, I tend to be a bit of an obsessive person. That's why I like, that's how I got into poker. I love poker and I just dug, you know, went all the way into it. That's why you're um, so successful. One of the reasons why you're so successful um yeah so but with this i said okay this is something i have to figure out what like this is panic attack okay i need to figure out what i need to do to get better to feel better i don't want to feel like this um so i kind of i went a bunch of different routes first you know i went to a regular doctor i went to a therapist um the regular doctor prescribed paxil for me i had been on paxil as a teenager it was it made me feel awful um it's an antidepressant not was not a good fit for me it made me feel way worse um I went through all these different steps, um, lost a bunch of weight. You know, I dedicated myself fully to figuring out how I could make myself feel better and not make myself feel anxious because we would, there were stretches of time here for a six month period in 2014 where we'd go to dinner and I couldn't even, I would have to, we'd have to leave immediately because I would start to panic and I would have to use Ativan um, as a rescue medication so that I didn't have a full blown panic attack again. Um, and so, the big game changer for me was was finding meditation. Um, that was the, Jody had saw, seen a TED talk or she saw a book or something and she said, you should check out this app and check out this breathing and all these other things, um, which I, I wanna go back to once I get through the story. But basically over the next 10 years, I really dedicated myself to my own mental health and then also helping other people, you know, who had similar journeys. Um, after five, year, five years after the event happened, I wrote like a blog post on my blog a lot of people reached out to me and they said, I'm, I went through the same thing or I'm going through the same thing. And I felt empowered to help people with everything that I had learned um, up to that point. Um, so then let's let's take us to a couple of weeks ago and I find myself in the emergency room again. How does this happen? Let, um, let me just let me just pause for a second. So, yeah, the first panic attack is at six years old. You realize did, did something did a relative die or something? You just realize that it's possible to die. Yeah, my mom and I used to have extensive conversations, even as a six-year-old, and we must have just been having a conversation about something like that on Christmas Eve, 
and I must have I must have asked her, and she said, "Yeah, you know, you you can die, or you know, once you once it's over, then it's over." I don't know what kind of conversation we're having. It just kind of struck me at that point. So that's panic attack number one, and then as a teen and young adult, you self medicated with weed and, and some other drugs, and then what age was the mushroom ba- the bad mushroom trip? Twenty one. Twenty one. And then I'm guessing you laid off the drugs for a little bit after that. Yeah. So I actually, uh, when I turned, I was 23 years old and Jody and I started dating uh, and she said, I hate drugs and I don't want anything to do with them or somebody who does drugs at all. So I quit cold turkey. Actually, the last time I smoked weed or did anything, I was in the, the penthouse of the Bellagio with this ridiculous dude from poker. Uh, I forget what his name, Gerald something. And we smoked a huge blunt. And it was the top of top of the Bellagio penthouse, and I said, "This is the last time I'm ever doing it." Uh, like Jody, basically, Jody became my drug, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, that that kind of, you know, that's what I became obsessed with. That's what kind of was my medicine, essentially. Um, but you, but you still, but you still struggled with it. And at at age thirty or so, when you'd go out, it, it was, it seemed like at that point, it's triggered by uh, social events. Somewhat. Um, it was more so I would just get these feelings in my body and I wouldn't know what to do. I would have mm-hmm. no idea how I feel this like overwhelming chest pain or I feel this pain in my throat or in my head or on my temple or all these other places. And I wouldn't understand how to figure out like, why is this happening? And like, I would try to get rid of it. Um, and same thing with the thoughts in my head, you know, so like immediately the thought would be, okay, I'm dying or I'm going to die soon or when right. I die or will I see my kids grow up? And then they start to spiral and spiral and spiral. And I had no context for how to compartmentalize them and like put them in the nice little place that they're allowed to be there, but also that they're not overwhelming me. Okay. And then you found meditation that served you very well. Um, now, we're, now we're in your, you're in your thirties and then you started helping others with it. Cause when you're going through it, you feel like you're the only one. And then, and then when you like, are brave enough to share it. Everyone's like, yeah, I got shit too, man. Like I I can relate to that. And then you guys had a, a a podcast and where you were helping people and you were just spreading the word about mental health. And then it's like fine to have issues and, and there's different ways to work through them. You've, you've been on antidepressants, you meditate for those who don't know, Trevor is a life crusher. He's one of the most prolific poker players in history i don't think that's even an exaggeration how many months in a row did you go where you won 5k or more uh well it was i guess almost eight like 18 years straight basically and then last december december 2022 was my first ever losing month i lost 7k yeah so <laughs> so 18 years in a row of winning 5k or more every month I, I don't i don't think there's anyone else i mean maybe you have a friend maybe greg merson's done that or something i don't know but uh anyways that puts you at the top and and he and he provides for a beautiful family and and so i just wanted to to get that out there so people know that that it's both you're this fucking crusher but you also deal with shit because you're a human being that's the human experience and so now now it's been set what i want to say is you guys stopped doing your content a little bit ago and i was gonna i was wondering if that might have played a role in this uh, but you tell me how you ended up at the ER. Yeah, uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, I, I think the content was great and and we miss doing it from time to time. Um, there's certainly 
uh, a cathartic part of it, you know, being able to sit down and talk to one another about whatever's going on. But Jody and I still have extensive conversations uh, all the time. Obviously, other people are not hearing them, but um, it, it certainly, I don't think it played a part in this at all. Um, generally, it's important to note here, generally, uh, not generally, it's important to note here, I have very bad seasonal depression. I live in New Jersey. It's dark and cold throughout the winter. Um, this November, December, January is always particularly difficult for me, and they always have been. I don't know how much that's correlated to my first panic attack being around Christmas time, um, but I've always had a negative relationship with that time of year. Uh, over the past 10 years, there's been years that have been better because I'm very aware of it, and I can try to use these coping mechanisms and, and do my best, but it's still hard. It's still just in, immensely difficult for me to uh, to not get down and not feel prolonged stretches of negativity. Um, and I think it's an important thing to note here is like, uh, for people who do struggle with anxiety or or all these other mental health things, uh, there can be triggers that can not be triggers sometimes. Sometimes you just feel crappy. Sometimes it's just part of your cycle, all these other things. Um, but yeah, so this winter was particularly tough for me. Um, we There's also like, there's other life things going on that I don't really want to talk about, but it's like, you know, there, anytime there's kind of a struggle internally with things that are going on in your life that you f feel very, uh, that are very important to you, then it's easy for that anxiety to really creep in and you kind of forget about the coping mechanisms that you're using every day. Um, this, this winter in particular, I actually have been the best I've ever been with, with my, like my daily task sheet of, you know, going to the gym, eating healthy, uh, meditating, like doing all those things that are on my list, which has has really saved me in a sense, but, it, but it's also been in, incredibly challenging for me in general. Um, so in December I had, so I kind of differentiate between panic and anxiety um, attacks just for me personally, and this is not like a scientific definition, um, but I, I often get anxiety attacks at night when I'm sleeping because my fear of death is so strong and when I'm falling asleep, I don't have the ability, you know, when you're in that state between asleep and awake, you don't have that ability to use that, those tools that you have normally during the day. Uh, same thing when you're tired and you haven't slept enough, it's the much harder. Behavioral therapy, the rational motive therapy, just thinking rationally that it's going to be okay. Exactly. You don't have those tools. And, and so I'll have a lot of situations where I'll, I'll be sleeping for an hour or two and I'll wake up feeling super anxious what, about whatever I was thinking about in that hour or two where I'm falling asleep and I'm like half asleep and I'm not controlling my thoughts. Not you can really control your thoughts, but I'm not compartmentalizing them correctly. Um, so in December, I had two of these events, but my ability to handle them is very good because of the experience that I have of, over 10 years. So like I have a system, you know, I feel this, I wake up, I, I drink some tea that I like to drink. I take some deep breaths. You know, I go through this step-by-step this -step process and then I get back in bed and usually Jody kind of has to just hold on to me a little bit and then I fall back asleep. Um, Are you sure this, nothing else goes on before you guys fall asleep? <laughs> I mean, that would be, a, that's a good medicine for sure there. Okay. Sometimes, sometimes it's the hardest time though, when you're, when you're dealing with that type of stuff that you can't. Yeah, of you course. Can't, you can't perform, you know? My bad, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so that led up to two weeks ago. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't like a particularly stressful day or anything like that. Uh, I went to bed and about two hours after I fell asleep, I just sprung out of bed and I was drenched in sweat. And I was going to ask you if you sweat. Yeah, I, normally I do. I do sweat uh, in general at night. Um, but 
And then like, especially if I'm having an anxiety attack, whatever, that's definitely one thing that happens. Um, but this time I woke up drenched in sweat and my heart was beating out of my chest and my chest felt the worst I've ever felt it in my life. Uh, it felt so heavy. And I, like, I woke up and I thought like what triggered it, I think partially was that in my sleep, I thought I was dying in mm -hmm. my sleep, but then, you know, I didn't have the, the wherewithal to like know that that was what was happening. So I sprung up, my chest felt so heavy. I was sweating. I was displaying all these panic symptoms that I know. Um, I went downstairs, started my kind of routine of making some tea, taking a supplement here and kind of going through that. And it was just so severe. I had to sit down and I almost passed out a couple of times. I called Jody down and I just looked at it and I said, oh my God, like I've never felt this much pain in my chest before. And it was kind of concerning because I was actually calm um, because I know what my panic symptoms are. I know what my anxiety symptoms are. And this felt so severe to me. Um, so I actually, I, I took a Xanax, which I hadn't taken any kind of these medications in 10 years. Um, and I said, I think we should go to the emergency room because I'm actually just concerned that my, like, there's something wrong with my chest. Very different from 10 years ago where it was clearly a panic attack. I didn't know it at the time. Mm -hmm. This time, Jody, Jody felt pretty confident it was a panic attack, but, in, but she also was a little scared because I was so calm about it because it was so different than usual. Right. Because um, in my mind, I was like, I know what my panic feels like. This doesn't feel like panic. This feels like I might actually be having a heart attack right now. I wonder if we we're in the ER on the same day. What what day were you in there? January third. Okay, so my I think mine was before New Year's. Yeah. Uh, okay, so so she drove you there. She drove me there. I was playing like a meditation the whole time. It's like an SOS meditation that I use that tries to keep me calm. Um, the Xanax did start to kick in, which was relief. But once I got the ER, you know, they did the EKG, they ran the blood work, all the kind of probably similar things that you went through. Mm -hmm. um, and then they ran it again a couple hours later, just to they want to make sure there's any changes and everything seemed fine. Um, so they were like, you know, panic attack clearly like, but we do want you to check with cardiologists, get some blood work done, do all those steps that you would normally do just to make sure um, since your pain is so consistent in one place. Um, and you know, once I calmed down, I was like, wow, I can't believe that was a panic attack. I still can't, I still kind of can't believe it because like, even the next day I was like, I, it wasn't like I felt 10 years before, 10 years before when it, the next day I felt like I got hit by a bus mm -hmm. and I had no idea like how to handle this or what to do. Um, so then, I, you know, I was like, okay, this is kind of crazy. Like, you know, I have all these tools in place. Like I have all these things. Why would this happen to me now um, at this point? And how is that so severe that I felt like, wow, I am actually having a heart attack. Um, so, I, you know, obviously I, I was like, okay, let's figure this out now. Uh, I did go to a regular doctor just to check up there. And then obviously I, I have an appointment with the cardiologist tomorrow to follow up all these just normal tests and everything. Um, and since then I've still had this anxiety in my chest. Like it's still there, comes and goes. Um, but then I realized maybe three or four days ago, which is kind of fitting timing to listening to, to your podcast and, and what you were going through. I, uh, I was like, okay, I need to go back and do uh, some special meditations that I do specifically for anxiety. I, like, am I missing something that I haven't really been thinking about lately? Um, and I realized like, wow, I'm missing out on the thing that has helped me the most through the last 10 years. And that is like the process for understanding what anxiety is in your body and how to, how to, I don't want to say solve it, but how to deal with it. 
And I think this is something that hopefully if anybody's made it through this far to here can be beneficial to people, um, maybe beneficial to you as well, or to anybody out there, um, this process that I go through. Um, because a lot of people think, you know, you hear meditation and you get this idea like, oh man, that's just like a monk up on the hill sitting there. He's sitting there quiet with his thoughts. You know, nothing's going on up there. He's just chill. And that's not what it's about at all. And you don't even actually have to do meditation in order to use this kind of trick to help your body and your mind. Um, meditation is just the practice of doing it over and over again. Um, but what the, what the idea is, is that when you have anxiety, all it is, is is a physical manifestation of a spiraling, essentially. And so the way to, to the trick that, that is at play here is that when you have a feeling in your body or a thought comes into your mind, the first thing that you do is you just label it and you say, that's a feeling or a thought. So let's say for, for you and I, maybe it's some chest pain. Right. Uh, so you start to feel that chest pain. You say, okay, I feel some chest pain. That's, that's a feeling in my body. And then you give it uh, a, whether it's a good feeling, a bad feeling or neutral. Right. So obviously if it's your chest pain, you're probably saying it's a pretty bad feeling. Yeah. And then you attach uh, some emotion to it. You know what, what it makes you feel. So it might just make you feel anxious or it makes you feel scared or uh, makes you feel angry or whatever else. And then you go back to exactly whatever it is that you're doing in front of you at the time. So let's say acknowledge you're, it and then and then just get back to what you're doing. And then and then you're saying it kind of dissipates when you do that. Right. So when you acknowledge it and you give it the space to be there, it actually it actually helps to shrink it. It's the the, the process of like trying to push it away and like, oh, my God, this hurts so bad. Like, I want this to be gone. I want this to be gone. Right. That intensifies it. Um, so that's a, that's what you do with the, the feelings. And then you do the same thing with thoughts. So a big thing for me is I'm a huge overthinker. I know that my anxiety and my stress, and this is the case for everybody out there, your anxiety and your stress exists in the future and in the past, right? When you're projecting things for the future and things that you're afraid of and things that might happen, or you're thinking about things that happened in the past, that's where all the stress and anxiety exists. When you're in the present moment, you, it doesn't exist, right? right. It's, it's, you, might, you might feel stressed in the present moment, but it's not as heavy as those things that, because you're here. And so when you have a thought, it's the same process, you know, okay, so I might think uh, I might die tomorrow, right? And so I have that thought. I'm not trying to not have that thought. You can't not have that thought. It's just something that comes to you. Yeah, intrusive so, yeah. thought. Exactly. So I say, okay, that's a thought. That's a negative thought. And it makes me very anxious. It makes me scared. It makes me worried for the future. And then I come back to what I'm doing. Um, and so this is a way to keep things from spiraling out of control. And the meditative practice of this, what meditation is, for me at least, and a form of meditation I think is most beneficial is just the practice of doing this. Because when you're sitting there meditating, you're going to have a shitload of thoughts. You're going to have a bunch of feelings in your body. So you're just practicing over and over again. So we're sit you're sitting there and the thought comes up. And usually we use your use, use the breath. So, you know, you the way that I do it is um, I count, you know, in one, out two, in three, out four. Then a thought pops into my head, right? And so right. I, I give that, I go through that process. Okay, it's a thought. It's Is it good or bad? What emotions attached to it? And then I come back to the counting of the breath again. And I do that for 10 minutes. And that's the practice that you use that you then apply throughout your day. 
right? Because the the idea is not to get rid of the anxiety. It's not to get rid of the thoughts. Like that's not, and that's what a lot of people don't understand. You know, they think, oh, this like it, the people that are the most chill and calm. They just they're just chill. Like they're not they're not thinking all these things. They're not dealing with all this stress. They're not dealing with these feelings in their body. Well, they might not be as much as you are, but they have the ability to kind of come back to the present moment better. Um, so like these thoughts, you know, when you're an anxious person, um, these thoughts are always going to pop up over and over and over again. You're not going to get rid of them. I'm not going to get rid of the feelings in my body. They're just going to change. They're going to be different ones from time to time. Um, you know, there, there might be something in my leg, you know, and I think, oh my God, I got cancer in my leg. Right. I'm or sure a blood clot or something. Or, yes. Or a blood clot. Like, you know, and for an anxious person that can spiral really quickly. Um, so the ability to do this, and I, I forgot about this, you know, like I, I, I was meditating every morning. I was going through my steps, but I wasn't like when I was going, when I'm going through my shit, my day-to-day -day shit and everybody's got shit, right? I wasn't just, instead of just like, okay, this is a thought that I'm having. And, and like, let me go back to what I'm doing right now in the moment. Instead, I was just spiraling hard and not even realizing it and just allowing this to build up. And then, then I got the physical manifestation of it back which was this insane feeling in my chest um, that kind of zonked me back into this is the reality of like, I need to figure this out again. Um, so that's kind of been the process over the last week for me of getting back on my feet of figuring out, oh, this is like, I know that I'm dealing with anxiety. I know I'm stressed out about, about situations going on in my life, but why am I, I'm not handling it the way that I used to handle it at all. And I didn't even realize it. And it wasn't intentional. It was unintentional. Um, but that's like my key recipe that hopefully can help other people as well to figure out how to be in a good place when they are starting to spiral or just in general daily life. You know, anybody can use it. It's not like you have to have some major issue in your life to use it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the, the main thing. I, I guess the other thing I want to point out, too, is like, you know, we all have different triggers and we all have different traumas and like. Um, one thing that you've said recently, I think that's really important is obviously to focus on the things that you do have, not the things that you don't have. Um, but th there's, as you said, you mentioned, like, I have like a lot of things going really well for me in my life. And like, I have so much to be grateful for, but it doesn't negate the fact that I struggle with other things. And a lot of people are in the same place. You know, it, it might be a financial thing and that's, you know, it's a financial thing or like a, a family thing or all these other things that people are dealing with. Um, but everybody is dealing with something. The severity of it is different and how they deal with it, obviously, is majorly affected by their childhood and all these other things that you've discussed at length. Um, so obviously, just finding understanding for people is really important. And, and the more that you individually find understanding for people and um, understand that they might be going through something, too, that is a lot easier for you. It makes it easier for you. Helping somebody else, those type of things, take the weight off of your shoulders a little bit more and they make for a better world probably yeah losing perspective is oh. is my biggest issue and uh yeah when i'm on i have understanding for everyone including myself and and i can handle pretty much anything but then when i lose perspective and i and i fail to think about why someone's acting the way they are or why it's why the that little thing they did drives me so insane uh th that's when it gets bad for me I will say that I think it's I think it's okay. We both went to the emergency room. We both we both felt like we were having heart attacks. I've done it three times. 
and during very stressful parts of my life. And it's okay. It's good to get that reinsurance that they say, no, your heart's good. You know, yeah, you could be healthier, but do you, do you have a history of heart attack? And if you don't have a history of heart attack, and especially you, so you lead a much healthier lifestyle than I do, and you're 10 years younger, and if you don't have a history of it, then you kind of get that, oh, shit, my mind was really playing tricks on me. The stress, like you said, was manifesting itself into pain and, and all this other, all these weird symptoms. And, and, and the last thing uh, I want to say is, be careful when you go on the internet and you start self-diagnosing because man, that's when it gets really out of control. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. And like, I, I'm not upset that I went to the hospital. At all. I think it was, I think it was the right decision at the time based on the yeah. way that I was feeling um, and based on, you know, my symptoms and everything. Like I, I'm not upset about it at all. And, and obviously it also just kind of locked me back in. Oh, like I'm super healthy. It's, it was just a mental thing. It's a, it's a thing that I was feeling in my body at the time. I'm surprised that, my panic and my my anxiety got to that point based on but i'm but then in retrospect realizing that i actually wasn't handling the right way because in my mind i'm thinking okay you know this december i'm super focused i'm I'm going to the gym i'm meditating and i, I left this part out of the story but um four years ago i decided to stop drinking also which i because that was a individual decision because i knew that my anxiety was triggered heavily by alcohol so two or three days after drinking, I would, I would have the worst anxiety possible. So I made that decision on my own at the time um, because I knew that I didn't want to have that anxiety trigger there of alcohol. Um, and it's, it's been a good decision for me, but now I'm also realizing like sleep is another big one for me. If I, if I don't get enough sleep, my anxiety is so much worse and I, I have to be super cognizant of that. Um, so I make sure that I get a bunch of sleep. Uh, and the other thing that I, I want to put out there to the to the world as well is that uh, therapy is a is a great solution for people, and it doesn't even have to be a solution. It's just a great maintenance thing for anyone. Just because you go to therapy doesn't mean that. Yeah, I was going to challenge you, you on, on calling it a solution because yeah, there are no solutions to being human and having something to deal with. For sure, for sure. Right. I, I don't want to say solution. I want to say I just want to say like normalizing therapy as a part of people's lives is it incredibly important because most people only think you go to therapy when there's a problem it, it's just so valuable to talk to someone and and get things off your chest and be able to be completely open and transparent about what you're going through and have them provide some context for you um and so i i couldn't recommend it more i couldn't recommend it more for uh, couples you know if you could have the greatest relationship ever it still helps to have someone to talk things out and find understanding for your partner and have somebody there to to navigate that as well. Um, so I think it's really important to normalize that and and also to to be very intentional about about it. Like if you're going to go to therapy, uh, make sure you find somebody that's a good fit for you. You know, do a lot of research, ask a lot of questions, right. be really so, hands on about it. Similar to when you said um, you were given Paxil and it made you feel worse. For so for some people, the first antidepressant they get won't work. Um, but then the fine one that works or a combination that works. And for many like yourself, you're going to find that like exercise and routine and sleep works the best and, and, and laying off substances. So yeah, just, just keep going until you find what works for you. Exactly. And, and don't be afraid to like to, to reach out to people either. You know, a lot of people, 
who are struggling with anxiety or depression or all these other things, um, they are afraid to talk about it because they feel alone, but really they're not. Like this is people, so many people, especially now, I can't tell you, uh, when I went to the ER, the, the woman, the nurse that took care of me, she was very nice. And she said, I can't tell you how many people have come in in the last 10 days with the same exact symptoms as you. And we go, we go through the same process. So this is a very common thing right now. We, the, the world is massively overstimulating. Mm-hmm. You know, we have things at our fingertips constantly. There's constant reminders of not being good enough. There's constant reminders of pressure. All these things that are happening around us. Um, I would highly recommend anybody out there read a book called False Connections by Johan Hari. Uh, it's actually a book that I've studied like at length. I actually, back when we had the community uh, forum, I actually put detailed notes. I think I still have the detailed notes if anybody wants them and doesn't want to read the book. I have no problem sharing them. Um, but it's about the, the nine kind of causes of depression uh, in today's society. What's the name of the book again? Lost Connections. Lost Connections. Um, and especially in... And the state that we're in now in 2024, you know, we're four more, four years removed from the pandemic, the start of the pandemic, and the ramifications of that for mental health, we're going to be feeling them pretty hard in the coming future. Our kids are going to be feeling them very hard. And so figuring out solutions, so not solutions, but figuring out ways to handle these situations um, in a healthy way is going to be vitally important to the future of our country and to the future of everybody, the civilization. And yeah. I don't, don't mean that to be dramatic, but I see it in my own house with my own kids and I'm sure you do as well. Um, and that's the hardest part, you know, teenagers, yeah. it's, teenagers are already hard enough to deal with. And then when you're dealing with people who have been through what we've been through, it's going to be a lot. Agreed. And I know you, you got to bounce. Uh, I actually, I'm okay. If you want, if there's anything else. Oh, you want to talk oh, about. oh I got, okay. I, thought, I made I some, you... yeah. We made moves. Yeah, so I kind of got away from interviews. I've had a busy schedule for the last seven years. In the last two years, it's just gotten absolutely insane. But uh, this was cool. And maybe maybe we can do these uh, more frequently, like just a monthly check-in. I know a lot of people respect you. And people that have been listening to my podcast for a long time, they remember when I think we first met during the pandemic. Is that right? And we met over over a Zoom call, which neither of us could figure out how to use Zoom anymore. So we're on something else called Google Meet. And it only took us like 40 minutes to set this up. Uh, But I think we got it now. Yeah, I think we got it. We got we're good now for the future. Yeah. Yeah. So so let's do that. Um, Let's do that as you know, as often as we can. And uh, and, and yeah, it's just good. It feels good to to know even someone as successful as you and and seemingly someone who seemingly has their shit together, which you do, but also you deal with shit because you're a human being, and that's the experience. Yeah, exactly. And, and an important note for for me to remind to to remember, and for anybody else have to remember is is to not have that secondary anxiety about it because it's so easy for me to think like, oh my god things are great in my life. Why would I feel like this? You know, and then start to feel down on myself for feeling like that and then spiral in that way. Um, so that's always a good reminder to, to yourself and to anybody out there as well. Um, and the, I, one more thing I want to say too, is like, and I, I think this is extremely applicable to, to you and to your, to your life is that, you know, especially in the spot spotlight that you're in and, 
and everybody, you know, hearing every thought that you have, you know, we, we know that there's been the tendency to try to give you advice and that, that's not the, the path. And it's the same thing for anybody else out there. You have to find your own path. You have to figure out what's going to work best for you in, in making yourself feel better. Um, you can't, you know, people can help guide you and it's important to have a close circle of people around you that can help guide you in the right direction. That's for sure important. It's good to reach out to people if you have questions. Like I'm, I'm always available for anybody to reach out to me on Instagram or wherever else you can find me. Um, but ultimately at the end of the day, if you wanna make changes to your life or you want to work on your anxiety or you want to do whatever, it comes down to the individual to figure out what the best solution is for them. Um, and hearing a bunch of voices in your head from other people is only is only hurtful, even though it, it seems like it should be beneficial. Yeah, so so we'll leave people with a quick um, lesson on secondary anxiety. For, for those who don't know, that I want to make this a public drop so anyone can listen to it on Spotify or wh wherever. But also for people who sign up at Patreon.com/slash/DGAFPokerPlayer, they can get an RSS feed, which even boomers like us can figure out. You, you just click a few buttons, and then um, anytime I drop something, it, it goes to your podcast player, where it doesn't go to the the public. And not only do you get added content every week but you get a huge library of content well over a thousand hours including my first podcast which was a mental health podcast that i did with my psychiatrist friend and we we discussed secondary anxiety that was the biggest thing for me and, and i'm gonna get to it in just one second but i have all these interviews with with people i've had falling outs with with people that are famous with people that weren't famous, but are now famous, but I still have had falling outs with, and I've had a lot of great conversations with you and Jody, and it's all there. It's all a fucking story. And, and it's not a, it's not a, a manual for anything. It's just, uh, might, might help you in some way. If, if just to, uh, you know, entertain you a little bit, but, uh, getting to secondary anxiety, I started working for, for my friend David, psychiatrist, and he I was learning like basics of mental health. And then when we, when we started our podcast called Solicited Advice Podcast, we would just do like some basic concepts each week. And breathing was huge for me, learning to do focus breaths. I do it. I have my kids do it. Anytime I start to feel really bad in, in, in any way. Uh, angry, anxious, just a few breaths can bring you back to something reasonable. Uh, and then cognitive behavioral therapy, also known as rational emotive therapy, is just kind of thinking rationally like, well, I'm probably not going to die in your instance. Nothing I can do about it anyways. And so like, let's just get the moment, enjoy the ride. That's like, that's the quick, like rational ride out of that, that negative thought. Um, but the biggest thing for me was this concept called secondary anxiety and that's basically feeling bad about feeling bad and i have learned to not do that anymore i will still feel bad like every other human being but i won't feel bad about feeling bad because no one ever chooses to fucking feel bad and, and that's what you're saying you know don't don't feel bad if, if you need to be medicated if you need to you know it therapy's it's not even it's not even just for for people going through shit it's just for people that want to stay healthy um and, and so how how are you doing with secondary anxiety do you, do you have guilt uh i i think this time around i i feel 
I feel fine with it. I, I, I think I have an understanding for it. Uh, I think in the past, there's been plenty of times. I think at the beginning, I, you know, I actually reached out to you at the beginning of this. I, I don't remember. I think it was maybe in October when I started going through it really at this time. Yeah, um, we had a quick call, right? Yeah. Um, and just like a little little bro talk and it helped me a bit. But I was at that time, I was definitely dealing with the secondary anxiety a lot. It was definitely a lot of of why why am I feeling this way? Like I got everything going for me. I, I was having, you know, poker has been great. Um, like I have help, happy, healthy kids. I have a great marriage. Like all these things are great. And then I just feel awful all the time. And so it's, it's easy to go down that path of like, why do I feel awful? I shouldn't feel awful. And I feel bad about it. Uh, I think at this point, I, uh, I'm doing really well with it. Um, but you know, it's always a challenge. You're always kind of trying to monitor it. Um, but yeah, I, I think doing something like this, obviously I reached out to you to do this to help people, but I knew that it would help me also. Um, yeah. You know, there's a there's a selfish aspect of that, obviously, because anytime and that's anytime fine, you... man. That's good. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and like when you reached out to me, I just I just have the most insane schedule. But you know, I found whatever thirty minutes to to just have a call with you. We didn't we didn't record or anything. And like, yeah, I'm hoping that like you you can just get some perspective back. You can vent a little bit, but then I'm gonna feel better too for for. For helping you a little bit and it's just it's just mutually beneficial and i think i actually won a bunch that day so so nice. i got a little trevor savage run good that day i believe um, maybe it's coming from this then, so that's good that's, that's, that's what i want yeah i need uh, it i need it right now so this is good timing one of the things that i found through this stretch uh that has helped me a lot also uh is reconnecting with friends and family uh, i didn't realize how uh how my connections had kind of been not strained but it, they weren't as strong as they had been in the past you know it's easy when you got three kids you got all these things going on we're carting kids around to different activities and it was easy for me to forget to kind of put intentional energy into those relationships um so i made that a point of emphasis uh about a month ago maybe uh, to call my mom every day like and, and kind of talk to her and just stay in touch with her and then it makes her feel better um yeah. you know same thing with friends going out with friends and things like that i also made you know, I went through a bunch of these stuff here. I made a gratitude list for myself where I just keep updating every day and it might be something that repeats, but I just write down like, this is something that makes me feel good, makes me feel happy. And I can look back at it whenever I want to kind of, if I need a little pick me up throughout the day. Um, but yeah, just some just small things, changes that I made. Um, that connections idea, so valuable. And that, that's from that Lost Connections book. When you're going through these types of things, it, it feels so easy to isolate yourself and to just not talk to people. You don't want to, bring other people down. You don't want to be a negative drain on society or, or your friends or your family. Um, but having those connections is so important to your happiness uh, that it's really, it's really just something you have to intentionally do. And it's hard to do when you're feeling so down. So we're going to leave people with that. We, we, we had similar experiences. You're healthier and younger so yours was actually a little more irrational than mine my trip to the er but i don't have any history of it uh, of heart heart attack um but we both were just spiraling mentally and it manifested as you said so i'm glad we did this but where can people you're the most efficient human being i know where can they reach out to you i i don't i, don't, I honestly can't have people reach out to me i don't have any the bandwidth for it but where can they reach out to you in case they want to follow up on some of this stuff uh instagram is probably the most the easiest place my name on instagram is uh trey momey it's t-r-e-m-o-m-e-y um that's probably the best place i would say 
Uh, and if, if you guys take anything at all from this, you know, 45 minutes or whatever we talk is the, the little trick that I gave about being able to see your thoughts and feelings. I, I think it's just a game changer for people. And if you can learn to implement it, I think meditation is the best way to practice it, but you don't have to meditate to do it. If you can take that trick away from this podcast, I think uh, you'll be, and you don't have to have anxiety to use it, right? Because everybody right. Over, has a tendency to overthink uh, things or feel things in their body. And it's just a game changer for me. And, and it's it's very similar to what you do with the focused breathing. Um, all it does is bring you back to the present moment. And that's so right. important. And the, 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 my goal in life is to be present as much as possible because that's the way to feel. That's the way to live. And if I can do that, then uh, then I think I'm going to have a, a pretty damn good life. And that's, that's my goal. Yeah, I, I like an 80-10-10 split. 10 looking back to kind of understand how you got here and, and hopefully – uh, not repeat mistakes too many times. Uh, Ten, looking forward, you, got, you. I know you like to plan a vacation, and that's a, that's a healthy thing for you to think about. For me, it's just trying to, you know, climb out of debt and whatnot. And eighty percent, just enjoy the fucking ride. Uh, we don't know how long we get, but probably going to get a long one. And uh, yeah, so so let's leave with that at Trey Momi, um, T R E M O M E Y. And uh, yeah, anything else? I think that's it. Thanks for the platform. Right on. Thanks, Trevor. Yep. I hope you enjoyed freaking out with Trevor Savage. Just a conversation between bros who are open and unafraid of the things they deal with. If you want to have access to previous conversations I've had with Trevor and access to my mental health podcast, Solicited Advice Podcast, uh, just go to patreon.com slash DGAF Poker Player and sign up for less than five bucks a month, and you will immediately have access to all of it. And if you just want to reach out to Trevor, he said the best way to do that is to go on Instagram at Trey Momi. That's T-R-E-M-O-M-E-Y. Thank you.